Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good evening and welcome to Swinging from the Hip, episode number 15. Well, this uh, evening could be an interesting one. I've been on training for the whole week, so I haven't had a chance to prep like I normally do. So um, we're, seeing, we're flying by the seat of our pants a little bit, or a lot of it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how things transpire. And uh, we'll be looking at the third test between England and the West Indies and look back at the series. But uh, before we do, we uh, welcome Rohit. And welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, good. How you going, everyone? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. As I said, it's just like, um, let us get into the comment section. Let us know how you're doing as well. And um, it, it let us know what your thoughts on um, sections of the show are uh, today. And also let us know anything else you want to discuss. So um, we'll roll right into it and we'll get into this week in history. Where you go, mate? Well, this week in history, we'll start with the birthdays as per. We've had a handful of birthdays this uh, week. We're on July 27th, uh, one grumpy Alan Border was born, 1955. Legendary captain for Australia, you'd have to say. Um, then we had July 27th uh, again, 1969, John T. Rhodes. And July 28th, 1936, Garfield Gary Sobers having a birthday and um july 28th again 1978 closer to home our very own injury prone jacob orham hey, <laughs> that rhymes yeah, don't, hey. <laughs> <laughs> you're a poet and you didn't even know it yeah, oh that rhyme too <laughs> <laughs> and moving on july 30th so today back in 82 jimmy anderson English bowler having celebrating his birthday at the prime young age of 38 today. So, yes, and still playing test cricket, happy belief. So, moving into a bit of history, it's interesting. I just got to tell you, I, I love the story. Yes, a grumpy Alan Border. I love the story of um, when, um, yeah, Craig McDermott went to bit off the rails. <laughs> Yes. And I basically told him to pick his chin up. He, he'll be on the next plane home with a few more colourful, bit more colourful language thrown in there too. Absolutely. That was a legendary <laughs> moment on the field of cricket too because it's absolutely you've seen a captain actually blow a player up on the field. 
on the field. I mean, yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Management 101 says that you never blow up one of your staff in front of everybody. Yes. You do it behind closed doors. But exactly. that, that, that was live on TV. That was for everybody to see. It was. <laughs> well, that was the days where it wasn't so PC and things like that. Eh? You just did it, you know, called Absolutely. a back then too, which has uh, been good to see uh, from some of the um, games that they've been showing on TV. <laughs> Of late. Yes. Now, um, carrying on in the history side of things here, back in July 25th, 2011, uh, it was the 2000th Test match which was played, and it happened to be the 100th Test match also between England and India, played at the home of cricket there in Lords. And again, um, 1999, 13th attempt for New Zealand, having finally winning, uh, winning a test at the home of cricket, uh, and Lord Zarin, uh Christopher Cairns picking up six for 77 in that match in the first innings and shooting England out for 186. And then our legendary uh, Grafton boy, Matt Horn, <laughs> the advantage by scoring a century, getting his name on the board at Lords. And from being 1-0 down in the series, New Zealand went on to win the series uh, by winning the last test as well. So great result there back in 99, and that was a pretty good team we had back then, to be honest. Um, then moving in to 1884, back back in the day, match between Lancashire and uh, Gloucestershire was abandoned back then due to the death of Martha Grace, who happened to be the mother of WG and EM Grace, who were both playing in that game. And 1974, on the same day, 25th July, the start of England's 500th test uh, was suspended for 14 minutes on the first morning after a bomb scare. Led to one of the stands being evacuated too. So that was interesting times back in 74, having a bomb scare at a cricket match. Yeah, 70, <laughs> 74. Didn't, yeah, yeah, that was... Mm. Yes. My year. July 26, 1993, English cricket hit rock bottom after Australia regained the Ashes with an innings victory. And this, for the second time in the series, they won a match where they only lost four wickets. They have just been dominant when they all over them. Uh, Graham, Graham Gooch resigning after the match and young Mike Atherton became the new England captain at the, at the young prime age of 25. July 27, 1948, the Don scored his 29th and last Test 100. He made 173, which enabled Australia to canter home to victory at Headingley. And in 1936, England and India scored, get this, in the 1936, right, in England and India, they scored 588 runs in a day at Old Trafford, which is still a Test record. And you think about the Tests, uh, run rates these days, and 588s, you know, always a long way off that at the moment. Moving on, July 28th, 1977, yes, beefy. Ian Bofer made his test debut for England against Australia, taking five wickets on his debut in his first day. And then uh, moving into our oh, current history, really, 28th of July, 2020, yes, Stuart Broad grabbing his 500th Test wicket on the way to a series victory against the West Indies, which we'll get into a little bit later. And moving into uh, 1973 on the same day, July 28th, 
we'll just make a mention for the English um, again in the England uh, inaugural Women's World Cup with England taking victory in that match. And just one of these uh, oddities again, July 29th, back in 2006, a couple of stalwarts for Sri Lanka, you'd have to say, and legendary at that, Mahela and Kumar put on a record partnership, scoring, uh, what, 624 runs, and they crowned South Africa into the dirt, batting for three days. <laughs> That's a long time in the field. That's a long time to bat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and weary legs for the fieldsman. But, um, yeah, Joe Warden are making 374 and Singakara 287. And the Sri Lankans went on to win that test by an innings and 153 runs. You sort of think, with three days used up for um, Singakara and Joe Warden to bat, you wonder where's the time left to go bowl South Africa out twice. But you got, you know, you got the legendary spinner in that team too, haven't you? Actually, I think Murray got a a 10-wicket bag in that match as well. Yeah, yeah, so that would have helped, definitely. Totally. There we have it, this week in history. This week in history, thank you very much for that, and we'll move right along into the news this week, and um, as I said, I haven't been able to prep that week, so news is going to be pretty truncated, but here we go. So yes, the big news of the week, England taking the series decider comfortably, and uh, we'll have more on that soon. England's also then gone on to announce an unchanged squad to take on Pakistan, which is their next assignment, sort of. Um, And I'll explain that in a sec. Uh, So sort of take on Pakistan next, which starts on the 5th of August at Old Trafford. Now they have, interesting enough, Jofra Archer be happy. They've been given a bit of a leave pass to go home. Um, with strict rules. So that'll be interesting to see where Joffre ends up um, on his leave pass. Now, I did say sort of their next assignment because tonight England take on Ireland in an ODI match. Um, now, that's a separate squad that they've got for that ODI match, England, that is. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how that transpires and works out, um, whether Ireland sort of um, puts up a bit of battle because um, there'll be no... There'll be no Archer in the uh, ODI squad and no Stokes and a couple other names as well there. So we'll be missing as well as they are in the test squad. Um, all So, okay. So after sorting out the T20 World Cup, the ICC have turned their attention to the World Test Championship. Now, planning is underway to reschedule the future tests as well as having to reschedule the tests that were postponed due to COVID-19. So there were actually supposed to have been quite a few tests played in March of this year that were going to be part of the World Test Championship Series. And they all now have to be rescheduled and the um, dates now for the final, which would have been la- next year, sorry, last year, next year in the in England. and um, But that's all going to have to be rescheduled as well. Going along, and Umar Akmal's three-year ban has been hard by an independent adjudicator, so he's now down to a year-and-a-half ban. Now, he received this ban for not declaring approaches from corrupt individuals or around corruption, and he was handed down that three-year ban effectively by Pakistan, um, the PCB. That's not a printed circuit board, but the Pakistan cricket board. So, um, And that has been sort of, well, not overturned, but reduced quite considerably by an independent adjudicator. And in rankings news, not surprisingly, after a 
magnificent match for one Stuart Broad. He has moved up the ICC Test Bowling Rankings to number three. He's actually sandwiched between um, Neil Wagner and Tim Southey uh, at um, two and fours, respectively, uh, with Stuart Broad taking up the number three spot. Rory Burns has moved up 13 spots, son of Montgomery, and um, he's moved up 13 spots to number 17. And Ollie Pope, who I turned into a fast bowler last week, <laughs> has, has gone up 24 places to number 46. Now, that just for sounds like a bus waiting to arrive, doesn't it? So, Is that for his bowling? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, hey, every, we all know every batsman rolled his arm over at some stage, surely. Yeah, yeah they've got a bowler <laughs> in them, haven't they? They've stage. got a bowler in them. Hey, um, who's number one, by the way? Um, Some Australian guy. Oh, okay. All right. oh, don't ask me difficult questions that I haven't got Patrick the answers Cummins. for. Uh, I think I might be, actually. Uh, hang yeah. on, let's let's quickly test bowler rankings. Because be... people, I just bring this up. Pat Cummins Must... is Pat the Cummins? number one. Yep, Pat Cummins. Yeah, yeah. And then what? Um, it'd be Wagner. Wagner, Wagner at number two. Actually, this is a bit outdated. The one that's just brought up to me because it's actually got Jason Holder at number three. So, well, um, yeah. yeah. So that's actually that's a bit outdated because I definitely think. Jason Holder would have... Uh, here we go. That's the updated ones. Pat Cummins. Oh. Jeez. Oh, now we've got... Uh, no, not now. <laughs> and, yeah, Pat Cummins uh, with 904 ranking points and Neil Wagner at 843. So, um, yep, Stuart Broad, Tim Southey. Jason Holder's just moved down to number five. And Rabada from South Africa, six. Mitchell Stark in at seven. Jasper Boomer at eight. Trent Bolt at nine, and Josh Hazelwood at 10, and they round out the top 10 in the rankings there at the moment. Wow, there's three Kiwis in there. Yeah, there's three Kiwis in there. That's when was the last time we saw that? Uh, the, last week, there were still three Kiwis in there then. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Not quite what I was meaning, but hey. <laughs> so... Yeah. So moving along, I suppose, here we go into that third third and deciding test. And you have to say, I suppose, at the end of the day, it was pretty disappointing, the last two tests in particular. Yeah, I think so. Eh? It's like, well, you know, you have to say, it was. whilst it's disappointing, it is a way expected. for the West Indies expected <laughs> England at home, you know, is always going to be stronger uh, yep. in, in their own conditions as well. Yep. And I don't know, uh, you know, you see it across some other other t sports where they're missing home as well, being yes. locked away in their little cupboards there for COVID. So well, they have been away for, impact, obviously, know? we've got to realise that it's not just effectively the three weeks of the series. You add on another two weeks, of, I think it was at the beginning as well. So that's yep. been five weeks. And, and one thing, I suppose, you know, we, we can always go back to the old days when they used to tour for months. But mm. what we have to realise with this is the fact that they're being cooped up. So yeah. you, you, it's been five weeks in isolation, effectively. Yeah, exactly. And that would be the hardest thing. I mean, it was hard enough doing our own isolation, as we all may recall. But, um, you know, you, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know for, these, for these guys, yes, being stuck in rooms, not being able to go out and, you know, take your mind off, off matters, been on the field with play, 
and just refresh. It's probably it's just cricket, cricket, cricket ram down here. Um, yep, that's that's pretty tough doing. Now I, I think we we I mean like we do realize that top level sportsmen they really do focus on their sport, um, but even though they focus on their sport to a ridiculous level you still need to have some downtime to, to yeah. take your mind away from it at, at some stage, don't you? Absolutely. They've still got to be able to switch off, right? Because, yeah. you know, you go to work, you come home, you switch off, you're, you're off work. Similar what, what, sort of what, thing for these professionals. What? Yeah. You come home from work and you switch off? Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> this is switching off that you talk to. <laughs> well, I don't. Anyway, I'm working 24-7 these days. Yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, look, so, back to, so this match was basically, I felt, pretty much over. When Stuart Broad did the damage mm. with the bat, not with the ball, with, yeah. with the bat. And because the way I look at it is that the West Indies could have had England out for under 300, but Broad yeah. came in and swung the blade and he smashed out 62 off just 45 balls. Yeah, so it was a bloody good innings, I feel. Um, I didn't watch it. However, I did um, catch up little glimpses of him while he was batting uh, following the commentary on on one of the chat things there. And it was just like, he was just hammering from yep. uh, what the commentators were saying and just swinging. So, yeah, that took that game away for the West Indies, definitely. And and, um, and I think from that point, uh, the West Indies mental, mentally was shot. Um, yeah. You know, you would have gone from thinking, because basically we go um, Butler and Pope, but actually built a very good platform. I'm just going to bring up the scoreboard. Um, there we go there. We've got the scoreboard. We've got, um, it said, Butler and Pope. Um, what, what's that? What are we, hang on, hang on. My bad. Just get this right. Yep, Butler and Pope. There we go. Butler and Pope actually did do well, and they built up a pretty good platform from, from England to launch, but then they actually lost five wickets for 18 runs. And as the West Indies, you still think, here we go. We're in. Yeah. We're going to get them out for 300. And yep. mentally, it's a different space, isn't it? It's yeah, exactly. You know, <clears throat> that's cricket, though, isn't it? You could set one partnership that can just change a game too. In one partnership, but I think it, it. You know, the the hardest part about it, one partnership, and it's a bowler that's um <laughs> carting you around the park and um taking the score. As they would have been, there are about two hundred and eighty for two eighty for uh, where has it gone? Two eighty for eight. And you sort of think, oh, yeah, we'll wrap this innings up. And the yeah. next thing, you know, you're at 367. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. But that's got to go off to Stuart Broad, you know, being left out of that first test. He had a yep. point to prove as well, I suppose. And, hey, um, I was just saying earlier, pre-show, um, he was selected to play for England as a batsman first, so... Yes, well, <laughs> well, it's interesting you mentioned that, and um, we'll di as we do, we digress off. But it's just like when when he first came onto the scene, he was seen as a very much a a, a, um, a, a strong, very strong all rounder. Yes. Um, but I, I think it was the particular series in Australia where he he just got bounced out of that series and um, by the Australians, and he was never the same as a batsman again after that series. Yeah, it knocked the confidence out of you confidence. for sure, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, many batters have gone to Australia coming back home and not been batsmen again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we've seen our own players do a similar thing. But um that's that's part and parcel of playing in Australia though, isn't it? Yep. <clears throat> they're gonna Mental test you and, really at the end of yeah, the day. Exactly. They're gonna bomb you uh, bombard you with bounces and pepper you. That's yep. just the way it is. Yeah. That's it. 
So basically, as said, um, Ollie Pope with a nice 91, um, you know, after you know, the, to giving up on the bowling, he nicely, yes. uh, 91, he would be disappointed to miss out on a century. And um, Butler uh, and Pope combining for a fantastic partnership, as I mentioned before, and Butler picked up a 67. And um, again, what you can see there, and we'll look at the bowling figures, is that another issue for the West Indies in this game, and from early on, even though they picked up the early wicket of um, Dom Sibley, uh, who was uh, scored runs in that second test. So, again, great for the West Indies. Start off, and I think it was the first over of the match. It might have been even. Um, he, he's, they've picked up a wicket um, of Dom Sibley. But then after that, they're really not building any pressure. Um, we can see through the economy rates, apart from <coughs> Kumar Roach, you picked up four wickets. The um, the rest of the bowlers really not really economical. They're, you know, three runs well, and over in a test match. Yeah, but that's modern day cricket, isn't it? I mean, look at the uh, partnerships. They were six for two six seven as a bowling unit. Even two for seventy two or two for two eighty, you're in it. So you can't. So I don't think you can say that. Um, they were getting carted around at that stage, but the wheels definitely fell off when Brody came out to bat. But overall, I mean, who who really is the one that got hammered? Well, nobody got hammered as such, but I just no. felt that there was no pressure being built. Was it loose um, bowling? Yeah. There was a lot of loose bowling. I mean, yeah, they, they got back on top. Obviously, the purple patch, then when they picked up that five wickets for 18 runs, but reality is that, I mean, there's lack of pressure being built. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one because you could still be going at three point three in a test match. I suppose it's a little bit on the high side, economy yep. wise. If you're but, picking up the wickets, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, if you're, picking up wickets, I mean, like, you're gonna go, you're gonna go at high economy because you're gonna have an attacking field. That's it. Um, so that's what. But here you've got basically you're leaking runs, um, yeah. and you're not picking up the wickets. Yeah, but uh, I reckon if when you when the um, English were two for what I mean eight for two eighty, I'm sure yep. those West Indians would have had attacking fields with the last couple of bowl, um, batsmen in, in there, thinking they're going to pick it up. Exactly. Yeah. And here we go. Um, you know that's what sort of happens as well, eh? When you've got the attacking field, batsman's just got to swing through the line and connect, and it's gone away, and it that's can it. be their day. It can be their day, and then yeah. as it, from what I heard, um, I, I honestly, I didn't see Stuart Broad's innings, um, but from what I heard, he actually did pretty, sort of, he was doing quite well. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, we were looking forward to seeing um, Raheem Cornwall going, getting on there, and um, not really effective, was he? That's right. Yes, he's um, you know not picking up a wicket in that first innings. Understandable, could be you know due to pitch conditions. Yeah, but he was selected for the spinning ability. Yeah, um, he probably for a spin bowler, he three point one four is probably a tad and a, high. And a tad high. I mean, especially when you, you look at it, what you're looking for here is with your spin bowler in that first innings, if you're not getting that turn, is to at least dry up one end so that the the, the quicks at the other end can actually attack the batsman. So, uh, again, from my mind, I mean, I know that Taron would be absolutely disagreeing with me. <laughs> but he's not here. So, ha, right. ha, We can say what we want. This <laughs> is like, I'm sorry for a spin bowler to be wanting him to block up one end as an off spinner in particular. 
he needed to keep that in tight and really at 3.14 he's not achieving that no he's you know it's telling me or telling everyone actually he's letting three runs and over go that's yep. not good you know I look at the maidens maidens column has only got five so yeah, he's not really building pressure, really, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, you're, right. you're sort of like you're right when we go back to what you talked about in terms of, um, you know, in a test match, you can get lucky because there's bigger <clears throat> gaps in there because you've got you got a few slips in there, so you've got gaps in the field and the like. But what you're seeing from those figures is that normally what you'd see is that you'd see the couple of overs going for a lot of runs. Yeah, but here what we're seeing is that actually there's not much pressure being built. Um, there's no. the odd maiden here or there. And that's quite a, a, across the board there. That's right. I'd, yep. I'd like to uh, know who was actually bowling too broad at that time. Because, uh, I, 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 uh, I, like I said, I was watching a bit of the commentary. And um, I think it was Holder that was bowling to him in a couple of overs I was tuned into. Yeah. And he was getting carded. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you know, and Stuart Broad's just swinging from the hip. Yes. As we say, <laughs> <laughs> see what you did there. There we go. Yes, <laughs> but you so know, a few Gabriel seventy-seven for two off your twenty odd overs. Yeah. Yep. And Roach four overs, uh, four wickets, seventy-two runs. So it's not bad going for him. Oh, Roach has done well there. Roach yep. is picking yep. up the wickets, and I mean, at two point eight, uh, two point eight, it's that's going quite well. That's not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad, and. He's creating some pressure. So moving on to the West Indies innings, and really, it's it's yeah, just, same old. Oh, geez, what can you say? It's a, it's it's a bit of a disaster. <laughs> it's the same old again, isn't it? It's no the same stability old. there in the top order. No one digging in. No stability. That's it. I mean, you 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 sort of basically you're getting you've got Campbell, who's obviously taking up an end there, but um, yeah. Braithwaite, Hope, Brooks, and Chase all gone cheaply. They're gone really? cheaply. I mean, Brooks, I mean, Hope probably been there for a bit of time. He batted time by the looks of it. Yeah. Um, getting a 64-odd ball, so that's over an hour's worth of batting at least. Yes. If not, you know, a lot more than that. 102 minutes there, so, yeah, that's over an hour. Yeah, oh, I didn't see the, where's the minutes. I can't see the minutes here. <laughs> <laughs> Should have gone to spec savers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, my eyes are closing up. Um, but... <laughs> I tell you though, it's I mean, it's it's not it's not um, helping the West Indies when they're not building partnerships, right? Yep. And that's that's where they're missing and lacking. I, I feel in that top order, they've got to get out there and build the partnerships. I mean, if Partnership, you go down work to, together. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. First, first, first order of the day is get a fifty partnership. You know. Yep. Yep. And just work on 50 partnerships, 50 that's partnerships. It. Yeah. That's it. Or even break yeah, 10, it down a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, 10, 50 partnerships is 500 runs. See, I'm Asian, so I'm good at mess. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, they got a bit of hope there with, um, in the middle, Blackwood picking up a, a, a 27, but Holder and Dowrich yeah, combining for a good partnership there where they basically put on 68 for that wicket. And um, look, gave... West Indies a glimmer of hope in the fact that oh look we can we've got this partnership building and uh, going along quite nicely but just as it was going along nicely they didn't take advantage of it and then Dowrich and Holder Holder out for forty six and Dowrich for thirty seven after making really good starts again just not mm. right through the series not going on with the score that's the thing isn't it that's what they're lacking is they get a start but don't make it count 
Yeah. Um, and that's that's what's been against the West Indies when it's come to these batting efforts in this last test and the and the second test as well, and the losing of them really because you know your first inning sets you up, doesn't it? That's what we've actually seen, I think, from most of this. Um, obviously, uh, West Indies in that first test, in the first, they, they batted second. But their first inning score was what set them up to win. Uh, it wasn't their effort in the second innings where they sort of <laughs> put the nerves in the dressing camp. Almost uh, squandered um, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, basically, England in that second test, and then obviously in this one as well, in the third test, it's their first inning score that's basically seen them be successful yeah. well you know um, when a team puts 300 on the board against you in the, in the first dig yep um you've got to put a solid score back on on your own first dig too yep. when you're going in reply right because yes if you don't you're always chasing the game thereafter well i mean like the windies would have been yeah well the windies in that first innings were in, in trouble of um ne- avoiding the follow-on mark as well yeah. so um yeah. that, that was a real a real possibility there for a, a, a while too. So, and when you look at it, 197, um, they were basically only they 30 runs past the follow-on mark. Whether England would have enforced the follow-on, that's probably debatable. That in that situation with those low scores, probably wouldn't have enforced the follow-on. But mm-hmm. um, you, you know, it's still not a great feel, isn't it, to know that you didn't make it past the follow-on mark? Again, psychological point. Yeah, it always is. Um... When you're playing cricket, if you don't get that follow-on mark, it's that psycho, like you say, psychological, and you're thinking, "Shit, we're back against the wall again here." Yep. And your mindset's changed again, or when you go out to bat again, you know, or or if it's not enforced, you're out in the field, but you're still you're mulling over it. Yep. It's a. And then, and then that man who, um, that man again, whose match it was at the end of the day, Stuart Broad picking up six wickets off his fourteen overs. Exactly. And that's a fantastic strike rate. Not not just the six wickets, but the strike rate at in 14 overs to pick up the six wickets. Exactly. Fantastic. And, and we look at – yep, sorry. It's going to say, look at the economy. Look at the economy, mate. That's what you're looking at. Your top two bowlers who have gone on record saying we love playing together and we work together as a team and function together well as a team. And Jimmy Anderson, only two wickets, two crucial wickets – 1.75, that's building pressure. Um, broad, picking up the six wickets, 2.21. And it's just like your, your, your number two, uh, your two top bowlers in the team, um, you know, standing up and um, when it yeah. counts. Well, look at the, uh, I look at the ratio of the maidens to the overs as well. And that's nearly like a third yep. from Anderson of his overs being bowled and maidens. That's building pressure. Yep. Stuart Broad's pretty similar as well, isn't he? So that's right. That's where eight wickets have come. That's it. That's where the eight wickets <laughs> have come, and really, um, yeah. The interesting one for me is, you know, obviously there's there's, there's big wraps around Jofra Archer, but yep. apart from um, that that second innings in the first test, obviously he wasn't in the second test. But um, apart from that, there's three innings where he really hasn't there hasn't been a lot from Jofra Archer. No, but is that you know he's still he's still pretty fresh to test cricket, fresh to test he? cricket. Yeah, and um, you know he's he's probably had his honeymoon period in his first couple of games, and now he's starting to realise test cricket ain't that easy. That's I mean that's sport that's sport you know not just cricket isn't it? It's the fact yep. is that you get the new new kid on the block, 
and um, they look great for those first few matches, first few tests. Um, and then you've got so much video analysis these days that people then work out a strategy against that player, whatever sport it is, yes. and they're able to come up with strategies to <clears throat> to, 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 to combat um, yeah. the effectiveness of that new player. That new player now has to go back to the drawing board and work, work on their game and see That's what exactly they need it. to change. So it's probably a matter of Jeffrey Archer. He's got the pace. It's oh, yeah. basically working on his game now to, to, to utilize that pace more effectively. I'd say so. I mean, I've seen him bowl and, you know, on TV or whatever, but it's he's definitely a lethal bowler, that's for sure, from what I've seen. So it will be a bit about going back to the drawing board and reanalyzing his game for himself um, and coming up with different um, balls that he can bowl, I suppose. You know, throwing the odd surprise. Yeah, uh, slower delivery variety. or something like that. But variety, yeah. Yeah, well, because when you look at the, the, the parts of when I did see the matches right through the Test Series, the matches I did see, is that apart from Dowrich um, struggling to play Archer in that uh, second innings in the first Test, the, the way that the West Indies batsmen combated Archer was actually quite comfortable. Um, they came out with a technique where they were just guiding it down um, mm. backward of backward of point, basically, and using his pace. So they, they worked out a strategy to handle him. Yeah, and not forgetting they probably played with him as juniors too, right? Back in the Windies. Absolutely. Uh, and age, oh, yep. level, age group uh, cricket and, yep. yeah, coming up, under-19 team and the like. That's so, yeah. yeah. So it's not like uh, he's a new bowler to them so in that sense. But, um, yeah, it's just up to Archer now to come up with new plans. New plans. So moving moving on to the second innings, and realistically speaking, um, it was like pretty much over. Um, yeah. you know, the, the game was over, really. The series was going to be won by England. It was just a matter of how comfortably they won it. Um, and we can see that from England's second inning response. 226 yeah. for two declared. Um, yes. All three batsmen that made it to the crease um, putting on some good runs. Yeah, it's looked like the Windies put the white flag up there, didn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, it, absolutely. You know, yeah, um, they're that's, ready to go home, really, by yeah, that stage. A few 90s in the series, right? Another one from yes. um, for Burns there, Rory Burns uh, getting yeah. a 90 there. So it's just like in the first innings, it was um, Ollie Pope getting the 90. And, uh, you know, we go back to the first, I remember um, Blackwood getting the 90. So there's been quite a few 90s and nobody's... Quite got got the nervous nineties have really spooked the the batsmen in this series. It has, haven't it? It's, it is like you say, nervous nineties coming to the fore again. Yeah, um, that's a solid effort there by England, isn't it? Two hundred twenty-six for two, batting third, batting third, uh, and and then like obviously with the root coming in and just trying to put the foot down a little bit, um, not not yep. too much, but just trying to put that pressure and giving themselves as much time. I mean, his, his 68 coming off only 56 balls. Well, yeah, it's a pretty solid strike rate there, 120 in, um, in a test. Yep. And, you know, that's 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 almost one day like. And, and, <laughs> and that's where you sort of quite, sort of like what you said, is like you feel West Indies old raising the white flag. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately it looked like they did at that stage. Yep. And, and um, you know, not getting much out of the pitch or whatever, but again, you know, economy rates are around that three-plus mark, aren't they? Yeah, and you have to wonder whether <clears throat> Cornwall will actually get another test, tell you the truth, after this one. Yeah, yeah. You know, how many has he played? 
Um, not many, if any. I know that the previous were against Afghanistan, and that's where he um, th- he did have a he had a good game against Afghanistan. And obviously, that's off the back of that, is that we're saying, hey, look, get him in there, get him in there. But reality mm. is, again, you know, speaking of Archer and Archer yeah. needing to have a lot more um, variety in his deck, Raheem Cornwall is another one um, that needs to have a lot more variety in his uh, his attack. You know, again, watching watching him bowl. It was pretty much of a muchness once the batsman got used to his um, delivery. Um, yeah. yeah, you just it was easy to make your adjustments and score some good runs of it. And you can see that with that economy rate of 4.15. Yeah, you can, can't you? Feel sorry for him, but it's early days for him because he can still come back. He's again another one that just needs to work on his game again, really. Yeah. All due respect, playing Afghanistan, you know, no real world beaters here, aren't you? Yeah. And Although he is twenty, he is twenty seven. So, um, yeah, sort of like, time. you reckon? Yeah. Well, yeah I suppose if you look time. at Stuart, if you look at Jim James Anderson, yeah, he's, Jimmy he's Anderson. got all the time in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> he's got another ten years. You know, spin bowlers can bowl till at least 35, 36 if they're doing well. <laughs> you got to go do Embry, John Embry styles and go over 40. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah it's, it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, who else has the Windies got? You know, that's what yep. you've got to look at. Uh, who's, who's, in the, who's on the sidelines? Well, the, uh, the Windies have got someone who's really good, but he doesn't want to play test cricket for them. Yeah, yeah. And he'll Why's that? Exactly. Ah, it's the money in the uh, money in all the twenty twenty leagues, isn't it? That's the problem there, I suppose. That's, that's exactly what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah. So we go. We make it. Finally, make our way to the second innings for the West Indies, and two days to bat, and it was never. It was never going to happen, was it? No, no. Well, you know, we've seen it in the second test, they, where they're not building partnerships again in the first innings here. Yep. Um, same couple of players putting their hands up again, looks like. And, well, um, sort of, and and the fact is that when you look at Broad and Broad and Anderson taking the top off. Hang on, actually, are we looking at the second? Oh, we're looking at the first innings. Let's go down. First, yeah. I was sort of thinking that didn't look right to me. There we go. There we got the second innings. I was saying, say here, Broad really knocked the top off the um, off the uh, top of the uh, top of the, top of the innings and. Um, it was, you know, again, the broad show continued. And yeah. really, it was just downhill from there in a matter of uh, how long would it take? And the and answer Wokes, was not long. Ex- exactly. And Wokes collecting for, uh, a fiver there too. You know, yep. he, um, I think he, he missed out so much in the first um, first innings. We picked up what, one wicket, I think, in that, yeah, in that first dig. Yep, and uh, picking up six for the match, so not bad going for Wokes there also. Yeah, so basically to wrap it up, this was really, as I've said so many times already today, it was the broad show from day one when he got a 60. It was a big haul uh, in the first innings, getting the six wickets, and then he was smashing the top off the West Indies in the second, getting 10 wickets and 60 runs for the um, for the match. Well-deserved. He'll probably end up on the old honours boards somewhere there at... Um, Old Trafford, if they have them, um, yeah, no doubt, yep, no doubt. And uh, <laughs> geez, it's just like I think you, as we talked about off here, I think 
the fire under the that was lit under Stuart Broad when he was left out of that first test. Yeah, well, he got what ten wickets in the match, right? He's yep. yeah, definitely a man of the match there for that performance. Um, but yeah, they they definitely lit the fire under him and not picking him in that first test match. That's for sure. And he came out to prove a point, and I think he's delivered. He's he delivered big time, didn't he? Really, <laughs> I mean, he performed in the second test. He performed yes. in the third test, and he's saying, yeah. "Don't forget about." me and it's yeah. just like and, and, and again um as we mentioned right at the top of uh, this week in history it did happen this week in history he brought up his 500th test wicket yeah so it's a nice way to segue into the, uh, the top bowlers in the um that have got 500 and he's joined the 500 club so we'll just bring that up and there we go so there we got Stuart broad with 500 test wickets from 140 matches and, um, you know, you look at those names on that list and illustrious com- company, isn't it, from um, Mularuthran, you know, Mataya. Um, Shane Mataya. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even get that out. Anyway, Kumble uh, Anderson, which is, a, I mean, I think a lot of people get surprised when you see Anderson there, but then you also got to remember he's about, he is 38 today. Yes. Um, yes. Clinton McGrath, uh Courtney Walsh and then Stuart Broad. So, uh, geez, that's that's amazing company. And when you look at his figures and that, he's got plenty of time left. He's still got he's got, he's got work to do. He's still got time, long as he remains fit. Um, you know, he'll still be playing for a fair amount of time yet, and pushing closer to the six hundred mark if if he wants to. Well, um, that's it. I mean, <clears throat> I'm just going to bring up quickly um, James Jimmy Anderson's, and we can see there. He's he's thirty eight. Jimmy Anderson is thirty eight and still performing, right? Yeah. So um, when we look at that, and uh, he's played one hundred and fifty three Test matches. Stuart Broad, by comparison, has played one hundred and forty. So he's actually played a lot of cricket in his thirty four years, compared to um, Jimmy Anderson, who's um, done one hundred and fifty odd, and he's thirty eight. Yes. So he's only thir- Stuart Broad's only thirty four, and um, he's got another. Four years or so in him if he carries on like James Anderson, Jimmy Anderson. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and the thing is, like like Jimmy, I mean, he had an injury a season or so ago, and you know he's mm. had to come back from that as well. Um, but he's probably had more injuries in later in his career, but still managed to get on the park for England, which is a testament yes. to his own fitness and um, ability to you know recover quickly yes. and get back on the park. Uh, and he, he's a legend for England. You have to say, you know. It's just like, but you know, just just looking at this list of bowlers that have got 500 wickets or more, it's hard to comprehend getting that many wickets. I I remember when I was at school and I ran home um, when um, New Zealand were playing and Richard Hadley was going to get his 400th. He was going to become the first player to get 400 Test wickets. Um, bowler, first bowler to get 400 Test wickets. It's like, and now you've got players. Stuart Broad getting 500. Morally, eight hundred. You know, it's just, oh my god! It's just, you don't even remember these things. It's just, no, I mean that's phenomenal, isn't it? Eight hundred Test wickets in one hundred and thirty-three matches. Yep. It's just incredible. I mean, really yeah, there's a little bit of a stigma around it, but hey, you still had to get out there and get them right. Well, look, I mean, we've 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 played we've all played against um, chuckers at some stage or other. And it's like, just because you chuck the ball doesn't mean that you're going to be good at it, chucking the ball. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so even well, if you're going to be not, that, um, yeah. if you're going to be that guy, 
that basically says he's a chucker. He chucked it and still got 800 wickets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're saying that, he was a chucker. If you're saying yeah. that. But it's yeah. just like, no, nah, I mean, like anybody outside of Australia, he wasn't really a chucker. No, no, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Daryl Hare thought he was, didn't he? Just Daryl Hare. Isn't it interesting, your top three all spinning spinners? spinners. Yeah. Mm. Think about when we were growing up, apart from when Shane Warden finally came along, who wanted to be a spin bowler? Exactly. I'm sure Nobody. everyone wanted to be Richard Hadley. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched Richard Hadley. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that I batted left-handed and bowled right-handed, I was Richard Hadley, you know. <laughs> I'm in the same boat, bro. <laughs> Just not fast. <laughs> but, but no, um, you're right. It's just, it's really interesting to see. At the top of the list is basically three spinners. Now, yep. What I was going to say from there is when you look at the top three spin bowlers in that list and look at the bags that they've collected in the fives and the tens, you know, they're, um, you can see why they're up there. Absolutely. Sixty-seven five wicket bags for Murali, thirty-seven yeah. for uh, Shane Warne, ten yeah. wicket bags, twenty-two for Murali. You know, it's just yeah, just phenomenal, crazy stuff. Yeah, crazy yeah. stuff. And when you go down the, you go down that list, and I mean, you look at Stuart Board, who's just made it to the five hundred club, and he's still only he's only got two ten wicket bags. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and getting ten wicket bag is not easy. You know, no. That's you know, I remember a coach telling me that's bigger than scoring a hundred for in a, in a game. You know, right. to try and get ten, or even just getting a five wicket bag is pretty pretty tough as it is. Um, so he, he used to compare that to being a, a, a scoring a century, right? Got a fiver. So I was like, shit. And then what happens when you get a tenth for then? It's a double century. <laughs> <laughs> it's a triple century. Yeah. It's a triple century. Yeah, exactly. So you know, the, and look at the um, you know, you got uh, Broad, Walsh, McGrath, Anderson. You wouldn't say they're out and out pace bowlers. Um, maybe Walsh is the quickest of the lot, but no, no. Yeah, Courtney Walsh would be the quickest of all those guys there. Basically, no. I mean, yeah. realistically speaking, your Andersons and your Glenn McGraths, um, and your Stuart Broads, um, generally around the one thirty-five mark, and yes. maybe topping out at one forty. Yeah. So they're obviously, you know, able to put the ball on a dime and do things with the ball. Do the uh, things with the ball and and, yeah. and slow it down so it's it, it go at a pace that the batsman can actually catch up with it and hit, get a nick on it. Well, that's it too, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you want the Duraru hit the ball, yeah, you, nick it. <laughs> you can be um you can be bowling at one sixty, but if the batsman can't catch up with them, the only way you're going to go through them is through the hit the wickets. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> uh, and that's the thing. So it, it is interesting, you know, the slower bowlers, so to speak. Uh, and medium pace uh, are right on the top 10. Yeah, you'd call them medium yeah. paces. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, a... moving along, I'm just going to quickly bring up, as I said, there is more live cricket happening tonight, and that is with Ireland. So um, I'm just seeing if we can bring up any players or not. Sorry about this. We'll Did you watch the people. first test Ireland played against England probably a year or two back when the Ireland were on the verge of victory? I remember the well, I vaguely remember the game. Yes. 
Wasn't so, that their first official test? I can't record, but I can't um, remember. That, was, that was a really close one for the Poms um, in nearly losing losing to Ireland in, in their first Oops. test. And I think that was that game was being played in Ireland too, I believe. And I was, ah. I was watching it, and everyone's wearing you know three or four sweaters. Must have been pretty warm for them. <laughs> It'd be a good day. Well, I mean, like, if we, if, we, if we go through the team here, I mean, like, as I said, England are running two squads. They're running the Test Match squad and they're running the ODI squad to play against Ireland in this um, one-day series. So you've got um, your, your your normal players with your, um, Ian Morgans and uh, Johnny Bairstow. Come in Moeen Ali. So uh, Adil Rashid, Jason Roy. James Vince and um, Sam Curran's brother, Tom Curran there. So you wouldn't say, you'd say there is an opportunity there. The door is ajar for Ireland to, um, to, to put pressure on the England. I don't know if they'll be able to topple them, but they're, wow. they're a starter's chance. There is definitely a starter's chance. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Denley is there as well. He just scored some runs in that last test match. So he'll have a bit of form behind him. Um, interesting, Denley? Joe. Where? Right under You're going to need to get a savers again. Joe Denley, right there. Keep going oh, sorry, there. right there. Yeah, oh, yeah, I need yeah. to get a savers. Hang yeah, on, I'll put so. my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, uh, and, and the ones that really is missing there is um, it'd be Stokes, wouldn't it? Stokes, yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, Stokes he and didn't even, Yeah. And like in that last test match, Stokes didn't even need to bowl. I mean, he had a, he was carrying an injury, yep. uh, quad injury, I believe. So he played as a batsman. But that's how highly they regard them, right? Uh, regard Ben Stokes as the fact is that oh yeah, he's injured as a bowler, but we'll still carry him as a batter. Absolutely. I mean, we didn't feature him in that test match either, didn't we? Uh, at all we'll mention him. So as a batter, he's probably not scored the runs. Um, didn't th- he batted in the first he innings, but not the second? Yeah. Yep. But I batted number four, I think, um, in that first dig. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's the guy that um, is missing from this squad. Obvious, obvious choice. Obvious choice. Yeah. And um, then probably the other one that I'm sort of thinking of is in a, in a one day squad specifically would be a, like a Jofra Archer. They've really been they've been selecting him quite consistently in their normal one day squads. Yeah. Yeah. And. That will be because he's been kept back for the other test matches, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's right. If against Pakistan, which starts mm. in a week's time, so you've got basically um, within the Ireland squad. When we're looking at it, there's, there's some um, experienced campaigners there. When you got uh, Al, uh, Andy Bal- uh, Balburnie, and when you're going down the list, we've got Kevin O'Brien, William Porterfield. Um, you know these guys that have been in the Ireland squad for a fair while now. And um, are starting to be, you know, well, they do perform at top level. Then they got the ability, and and they do um, turn out good performances. Yeah, um, I, I must admit, I probably only seen um, the captain's name and Kevin O'Brien's name in that squad. So you, don't no, really you, know too you much. You've seen William Porterfield. He's been at a okay. couple of World Cups. Right. So yeah, I mean, it's an obvious chance for Ireland to have a crack here and try and gra- grab a win. Yep. Um, but you'd have to say, um, you know, again, it's in England, yep. home turf, uh, so the backs are against, will be against the wall. But hey, great experience for them, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. You know? It's uh, 
I mean, you know, it's and the fact that there's more cricket going on, so that's always good as well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, exactly. So that's starting tonight, right? Tonight at one o'clock our time or New Zealand time. Um, yeah, if I just go time. back to just go back to the series, bring that up. Yeah, so one p one a.m. It will be starting our time, basically. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right. And then um, England next week, well, we'll be talking about, if I sort myself out here, one, one, one moment, please, people. Against, da, da, against da, da, Pakistan. Da, da, da. So, England versus Pakistan. Is that, is that a full test series or what are they yep, doing three, there? Three tests. Three tests, if I could get the computer working properly. Sorry, people. I don't know what's going on. They're going to be playing any one days. I um, I believe the uh, there we go. Full Pakistan team coming. Um, it, it is it is basically the players well, that team. have made themselves available. Yeah. Um. So that's basically it. And just just um going back to what Simon you say, Simon, you know, Simon's saying that um. The Irish cricketers are stronger in ODI, and and you know that's mm. the thing that they have actually put out some pretty good performances at ODI level. So um, we'll be looking for that to continue today. And and as we mentioned, they have got that opportunity with the fact that England haven't got all of their normal ODI players because they've split into two squads. Yeah, well, it just shows that they got the player depth too, though, doesn't it? Yep, they they've really got the player depth absolutely. So as um, Simon's mentioning, these matches, these ODI uh, matches are World Cup qualifying matches as well for the right. next World Cup, which will be in 2023 off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah in that's... India. So um, that's it. But uh, moving back to the England-Pakistan, so there are three test matches. They're um, starting next next week on the 5th of August. And that will be again at Old Trafford. So they're having two matches at Old Trafford. Then they move back to the Rose Bowl at Southampton for the second and third test. So the opposite of what happened in the West Indies series, they had one in Southampton, two at Old Trafford. This is going to be one at Old Trafford and two at Southampton at the Rose Bowl. And just going down through, there are um, just part of it. There's also some T20 matches between England and Pakistan as well. So they've got three T20s and then the three test matches, and that's... Yep. That, um, yeah, so part of that T20 sort of uh, game setup would have been more towards geared towards that upcoming World Cup. That, that's right, that's right. And um, when we look at the dates, end, end of August, you know, the cricket... The T20 World Cup was going to start in October again, off the top yes. of my head. It was going to start in October, so yeah. um, it would have been definitely lined up with the um, with the thoughts of the World Cup in Australia uh, to come. So they probably would have moved directly from there to camp in Australia. Absolutely, so, you know, going in after three three matches into um, Aussie for That's that it. World so, Cup. Hey, no. <laughs> unfortunately. No. Not no World Cup. It, it's, it's, and, and just on the World Cup front, it's a bit disappointing, I have to say. I mean, like, I I don't know. I, when you look at the fact that they've just run the um, test match in England and, and the I, I suppose the template has been laid on how to manage it. I suppose the issue we've got in Australia is the fact is that now you've also got COVID 
running rampant through Victoria. Um, and, and so you would have had that issue. But, and it's just like, hey, there's little New Zealand down here. We're COVID-free. Just bring them down here. Yeah. We could have done it. Well, we could have, couldn't we? So, you know, why wasn't that on the table? IPL. Don't right. worry about Dubai. Don't worry about the Emirates. Come down to New Zealand. We're here. We're saying hi. We're ready for you. Exactly. I mean, doesn't the Emirates still have to approve it? Yeah, look, I haven't actually heard that. Unfortunately, I haven't been doing the news this week. Um, right. I've been yeah. on a course, so um, I haven't been able to keep up with the play on what's happening on that front. But you're right. The government, the uh, Abu Dhabi um, or Dubai, I just want yeah. to say Abu Dhabi, um, the Dubai um, government have to approve it. So I haven't heard on what the latest there is in saying that the um, the, the Dubai and Indian governments do have a very good relationship. So um, I'm pretty sure it's it's it'll go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I can't see it. I'll be honest. I can't not see it going ahead. Oh, yeah, you can't see it not going ahead for sure. I mean, you've just, dollars, right? UFC's just had Fight Island there, haven't they? So... Um, Again, templates have been sort of set up for, yeah. for how you know how things could be run and the like, or what needs to the processes that need to be run through. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I suppose the problem having it in New Zealand, we had the World Cup here in what 2015, right? Yeah, um, it was shared again with Australia. But it's that time zone thing that's against us as well, isn't it? In a way, time zone things are a little bit against us, but. Um, we'd have to start the matches probably, you know, keep BCCI happy eight o'clock at night, which we yeah. did recently on the um, last um, India tour, where all the um, T20 matches started at um, eight o'clock at night, as opposed to our normal start time of seven. And yeah. then we also, I, I believe, our did we have some one day is there as well? We did. I'm, I'm we did, sure and, they, and they started a bit later as well. Obviously, instead of starting, I think at one o'clock, they started at two instead of two of the three sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the nature of the sport nowadays, isn't it? See, it's all about the dollars and return on that. Well, where do you get the money from? It's yeah. broadcast right. Everything absolutely. comes from broadcast rights, and so you basically work to what that is. And um, yeah, but they had the opportunity to have a go down under to even have the World Cup for the T Twenty. Like I think you know, I sort of look at the T Twenty in particular is something that New Zealand could host and do quite well. Uh, just as yeah. a single country entity type thing, as opposed to shared with Australia. As long as everyone's staying up in their isolation units and not making runners. Um, well, it's only it, well, <laughs> well, well. The thing is that they'd get to run around the field anyway. Where you'd put them somewhere uh, in, 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 in with a field close by. Yeah, yeah. But uh, do we have the? Uh, I suppose the, the question is, do we have the capacity and the ability to hold? those many teams in the um, oh, yeah, easy. facilities, easy. you know, to easy. training facilities and things like that. Yeah, because, well, I mean, like, realistically speaking, if we go back, I understand what you're saying, but you'd you'd spread them out through the country. You wouldn't necessarily have every all the teams in Auckland. Um, you're probably right then. Then you might struggle with facilities and the like. But mm. um, you could easily, if you spread them through the country, you could host the teams, I believe, no worries. Um, you know, you're spreading them. You did a couple of teams in Auckland, a couple of teams over the shore, uh, North Shore of Auckland, um, so that they can use, different, you know, and two teams could share the facilities, right, in terms of, like, so you've got it in the morning, you've got it in the afternoon, there you go. And then you've got Napier, um, Hamilton. Um, let's not forget Hamilton. Um, Wellington, 
Um, you could probably Nelson. You could put a team in Nelson, Christchurch, and Dunedin. And between the between those um the, those cities, I think we'd be able to manage it. As, as Simon mentioned, I think really what it, and we, we we're realistic about it. It just comes down to better time zones for, for um mm. the UAE or those Arab countries for India. That's which is a shame, but um, yeah, as said, do we go, mind you, you know, it would just mean that if we had them coming on at eight o'clock at night, it's um, it's it is good timing in one sense. I think the uh, all the little Indians will be getting up to have a cup of chai, yeah, true, yeah, <laughs> that's why we had to play it at eight o'clock and not seven, right? <laughs> so that they're up for it. <laughs> but what does it mean now? Uh, I don't know what the time difference is when you are in uh, Dubai. But we'd have to be um, through the night. It's all close to it. I'm just looking up here. So the time in India. Actually, no, look at this. Is it? What are we talking about? having a cup of chai in the morning. It's 2.30 in the afternoon. Oh, the afternoon cup of tea. It's the afternoon, yeah. Just before they end up having this. We know this. Because in the villages, it's the afternoon sleep time. Yeah. <laughs> Siesta. Yesterday, <laughs> as as Simon's mentioned, I missed out the mount. Obviously, you'd have the, oh, the mounts, you can station yeah, yeah. a team in the mount or a two in the mount. Really, you've got two or three um, good players on the mount. Isn't you've, got, there? you've got some good hotels, and just down the road there, you've got um, you've got Bay Oval and yeah, for, with the mount. So, oh look, I don't think we'd have a problem hosting it. And looking yeah. at the time, it's actually not a bad time either. Really, it's an afternoon for them. It's not in the evening. It's not right. evening, but. At, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, that's not a bad time to watch a game of cricket for them. No, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You still have got the evening after three hours of play. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go down to Juhu Beach and have, have yeah. a feed. <laughs> yeah. Get on the... <laughs> I can't even remember the name of the beach now. Uh, the other one. No, 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 the other one. Get there. No, it's past. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's too long ago. It was ninety-one since I was there. So, <laughs> well, that's that's we're starting to ramble now. So I suppose it's yeah. a good time to, to call it quits, isn't it? Um, so, um, look, everybody, thanks for watching uh, Swing from the Hip again. Um, really appreciate you tuning in and watching it, um, making those comments in the chat rooms, and also if you're listening to this on your podcast afterwards, you appreciate it. Make sure you all go in there and you hit that share button. Really want you to share now. So likes, great, but if you can share it and get that name out there, really trying to build that New Zealand Sport Radio brand, and obviously the, all the shows on um, New Zealand Sport Radio, especially Swinging from the Hip, but just to remind you, we've got the morning sports briefing every day at 7am, okay, that's Monday, right through around to Sunday, and Monday again, is that 7am, that's the morning sports briefing. On Monday nights is Driving Mall and all your news on rugby, as well as some good club roundups from around New Zealand. It's Wednesday night, we have the league show, The Standoff, so you can find out what's happening in the NRL and who's been a naughty boy this week. Thursday night's the best night of the week, on, and that's obviously with Swinging from the Hip. And we've got the review for, oh, sorry, previews for Super Rugby Aotearoa and R Super Rugby AU or Super Rugby Gold, which is the Australian version, on Friday nights. 
and then a preview where you can join Cornflake and me, usually having a good ding-dong argument about why him trying to get the whole Highlanders pack into the All Blacks. So make sure you're listening to New Zealand Sport Radio right through the week, right through the day. You've got plenty of shows to keep you entertained. And we'll see you back here at 8 p.m. on Thursday on Swinging from the Hip for your cricketing fix. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.